Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. Hello to our podcasters. We're so excited to um, have another episode for you. We actually just passed episode 50. So wherever you are, do a hand clap. We made it 50 episodes. I'm, I'm so excited. Today's episode will be part two, a 10-step guide for governments to help small businesses survive a crisis. And please feel free, as always, we want to hear from you. We want to know where you're calling in from. We want to know what we can do to better support you. So please feel free to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at BR Decoded. That's Business Resilience Decoded for short. You can also follow me, Vanessa V. Matthews, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So last week, we talked a lot about 10 steps for governments to help small businesses survive a crisis. And we got into this discussion because we've been having a lot of conversations with economic developers and civic leaders, as many of them are overwhelmed with the onset of COVID-19 and the impacts that it has caused to the economic viability of their communities. And so, when they ask questions about, well, what can we do to better serve small businesses? How can we be more prepared? What can we do to help ensure that business owners can recover from disruption? As a crisis management expert, I said, maybe we should add something to this conversation to help them understand what they can do better. So number one, we talked about provide funding. I mean, at the end of the day, unfortunately, what COVID-19 has revealed is small businesses have about 27 days of cash on hand, and that's a challenge. So we definitely have needed the funding that has come from the PPP, EIDL, as well as corporate grants. The second thing that we talked about last week is provide fundamentals to lead in crisis. And specifically what that means for you civic leaders is invest in resources that can teach your business owners the soft skills that they need to lead in a crisis because leadership is a whole nother skill set outside of entrepreneurship. The third thing that we talked about is reinforce the 80-20 rule. If we took 20% of our time and invest it in the right activities, it would produce 80% of the results. So for you civic leaders, reinforce the 80-20 rule to your business owners, but also for you as you design programs and initiatives and think through where you're going to spend your recovery funding, be sure that you reinforce the 80-20 rule because time is all we have, right? So we wanna make sure that we are as effective with our time as we can. The fourth thing we talked about last week was facilitating an environment for business owners to reinvent their business model. That's the number one thing that people should definitely be focused on now. Who your customers are, what they want, why they want it, where they want to get it, it's all changing as we speak. And so we have to be consciously thinking about reinventing and, and redesigning and, and reimagining what our business models are. And the fifth thing we talked about last week is recognizing that crisis response requires people. So as you design programs and solutions for your businesses, also think about the people within those businesses that those companies and those leadership teams are going to have to depend on to affect change. So this week, we're going to wrap up the next five steps of what you as government leaders can do to help your small businesses to survive a crisis. So step number six, 
invest resources and processes and procedures. So oftentimes civic leaders ask me, how do we build programs that add value to business owners? What do they need? What do they need? When I'm working with clients from small businesses to big businesses and governments, the one thing that is constant is many of them do not have processes and procedures. And from a business continuity perspective, processes run the business, technology, people, and everything else support it. We have to invest time to help businesses survive and thrive a crisis. And the only way to do that is to have documented processes and procedures for how the business operates. How do you do what you do? What's your playbook? Because in times of crisis, you're getting pulled in so many different directions and the lack of processes and procedures positions you to be less efficient, positions you to spend more time and more money in things that you shouldn't be invested in. If you had documented processes and procedures, your team, you could be able to position your team to lead as well in times of crisis. And that way you as the business owner or the decision maker are not the bottleneck within the organization. So invest resources and processes and procedures. Even in a crisis, you need processes and procedures. Step seven is invest in small business resiliency training. So while grants and loans are helpful to keep the lights on and to provide hope for small businesses, they do not replace revenue. I will say that again. Grants and loans are helpful to keep the lights on, but they do not replace revenue for businesses. The best thing that you government leaders can do for small businesses is to invest resources to help them learn how to effectively manage a crisis. What's great about all of the recovery resources that have come out and the stimulus package is that there is a specific line item for small business resiliency training. What are you all doing to ensure that you're partnering with subject matter experts who understand crisis management, business continuity, and resiliency, but more importantly, that can deliver it in a manner where small businesses can take it and can apply it to their business. And that is one of the top things that I'm not seeing us do as a collective. So similar to how enterprise corporations and governments, you have your crisis team, you have your documented playbook, and you have ongoing training and development to make sure that you have the right crisis competencies to lead your organization, business owners are no different. In the same way we call on a lawyer when we're facing litigation or if you get a cease and desist letter, in times of disruption, you need to call your crisis management expert. Lawyers are not crisis management experts. Bookkeepers are not crisis management experts. Human resources professionals are not crisis management experts. The skill sets are different. And so you should take the time to understand the right subject matter experts you need at the table. And this is actually something as Fallis does with small business resiliency training. Step number eight, design for learning. People often approach learning as something that can happen in a two hour workshop. I'm seeing that with crisis management. I'm seeing it with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Give me diversity in two hours and we're done. We're fixed. It's all better now. That is so wrong. And you all know that, right? And then we wonder why we spend two hours in a workshop and then the next six months to a year, we have not applied any of the learning. And the reason why is we don't design for learning to actually take place. You can sit in front of a computer screen and listen to somebody talk for four hours. It does not mean you've learned anything. You can get a degree 
and $50,000 in student debt, it doesn't mean you learned anything. So as civic leaders, design for learning to actually occur for programs and initiatives that you invest in and design programs with your business community and not for your business community. When it comes to equipping your business owners with the resources they need to recover from disruption, they need to know the knowledge, the skills, and the behavior that they need to be effective in crisis. And it is your job to ensure that whatever you invest in, that you're investing in learning and not just a check in the box. Step nine, understand that time is value. As a business owner, I cannot tell you how many people ask me to be on a task force, to sit on a board, and quite frankly, I don't wanna do all that. I'm trying to run a business and be a wife. And some of us are parents and have so many other responsibilities. So if you're going to ask me for my time, ensure that it is high quality and that you're actually taking into account what I need as a business owner holistically. One of the things that frustrates me <laughs> in the business community, I have seen corporate business professionals who are tapped and asked to design training for entrepreneurs. Now, what sense does that make? And I know because I've been a corporate employee and then I've been an entrepreneur. And I understand there is a complete difference in what I learned in corporate that is not the skill sets that are leveraged as a small business owner. As a corporate professional, my job was much, much different than a business owner. As a business owner, I create the brand. In corporate, I borrowed the brand. So it is frustrating when you ask us for our time and you allow corporate professionals or people who have zero experience with entrepreneurship and small business to design programs for small businesses. It just makes no sense. So don't do that. <laughs> Understand time is value. Time is all we have. I, I cannot stress that enough. And this is also in part of, I've been hearing a lot from other small business owners, especially when COVID first happened. There's all these virtual webinars and virtual trainings. However, we have to be respectful of people's time. Don't just give a small business owner a program to be involved in because they have nothing else better to do or because you haven't thought through more of what they actually need. Truly, truly take the time to focus on, is this going to be a valuable piece of their time? And step 10, bring small businesses to the table. Small businesses employ more people than big corporations. However, in many local communities, we're not at the table. And I cannot understand that. If we're bringing in more people, then we're directly impacting your tax revenue. If I'm hiring more people, you get paid more, more money as a government. So why are we not including small businesses at the table? As civic leaders, what we need you to do is diversify your stakeholders and bring your small businesses to the table. And as you do that, you need to keep a couple things in mind. Representation matters. What does that mean? That means when I look at your website, when I look at your board, when I look at your small business task force that you may have created for COVID, I need to see representation. A white male who runs a technology company has a very, very different business experience than a Hispanic female that may identify with LGBTQ. How they do business, where they do business, who their customers are, what their customers need, 
and how they even going about building relationship and community are all different. So if you have one small business owner at the table, you're not meeting the needs of the other business community members that you have. In Charlotte, where I live, I was appointed to the Charlotte International Cabinet. So we're appointed by the mayor to advise the mayor and city council on international business affairs and the immigrant community. Whenever I'm talking about business in my community, I always have to reinforce the value of international businesses. About 20% or more of our business community is comprised of international businesses. And then think about it even further. And immigrant-owned businesses have much different experiences than a minority or a Black woman who owns a business. Our circles of influence, our relationships are all different. And so you guys have to be mindful of not just bringing in your corporate leadership because they're providing the dollars. You need to bring in the people within the community that are actually employing people so that your unemployment rates are not skyrocketing. And those are things that we need you to do as business owners. And then more importantly, once you bring us to the table, listen and then act. Again, don't waste the time. These are 10 steps that I decided to put together to help governments so that you guys can be more prepared and have a roadmap, if you will, for helping small businesses to survive a crisis. As we are actively navigating COVID-19 and all the things that are coming as a part of that, and as you guys continue to receive resources and additional funding to invest in your small business community, please keep these 10 things in mind. These 10 steps can be found on our website at www.asfallasadvisors.com blog. And there's also a checklist that you can download. And I want you to download this checklist, print it out, and evaluate where your community is on this checklist. How many of these did you guys get right? And then take some time to make sure that you put these steps into action. So there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asfalis Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.